host Layla Cheek. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Ample Cause, our justification. And I just wanted to go ahead and start off another edition of my journal series, Hamlet Island. And this is a series where I vow to tell nothing but the truth, as it is my online journal of the events um, that have been happening in my life. And it comes off the heels of the letters to the churches that I've been writing for some years now um, with their involvement with uh, political agendas. And so with that, this morning, you know, it seems like I am keep uh, getting fed up for things that I have not done and uh, under fake names and fraudulent uh, fraudulent uh, IDs and all kinds of things. And they expect me to pretend like I'm supposed to pretend like that's me. I'm like, I am not Donald Trump. I have not commit his crimes. I have nothing to do with what he's done. I'm not going to pretend like that's me. Sorry. I didn't get summoned for a court case. I don't have any, you know, crimes. I didn't get summoned for anything because you can't even address me, nor do I have any criminal activity. And I'm not going to sit here and waste time and time and time and money and put forms in here and there and pretend like that's me. It's like, it's not. Sorry, I don't have any crimes. You don't have any evidence of me doing a crime. And quite frankly, I didn't get summoned for a crime. And you shouldn't even know my address because you have no legal right to even be here. Uh, this preacher hacked my Wi-Fi in 2016 as my letter to my mayor. And um, my podcast on here, if you search, is called um, The Beatrice of Truth. Uh, how, how we're supposed to act in The Beatrice of Truth. And it does, it's me reading my letter on here orally. And it talks about um, the orally account of these events of what happened. I also have a book uh, published and um, uh, many um, copyrighted information of my ministries here. And I have a Christian book proposal up waiting for a publisher. And it's called um, um, Ample Cause, um, Our Justification. And, you know, it kind of gives a detailed event of uh, what has happened here as well. And um, it gives an orderly account of um, these events and why. And it's on ChristianBookProposal.com if anyone wants to uh, grab it and publish it. Um, if not, uh, I probably will self-publish it or maybe get a publisher my, myself. And so, you know, I have many, many books and publications out there detailing um, the account of these events. And guys, what makes an uh, item historic? What makes history? Especially, you know, we always hear in the Christian field, oh, the resurrection, how do we know it happened? How do we know the, re- the resurrections were real? And many, many scholars have taken to um, give an account of why the resurrection is real, why the resurrection happened, how we know it's real. But a basic standard in a legal sense to make something a historic fact is you need a geographic latitude, longitude, location. Check. We got that. Eastwood Christian Church. You need an exact date or time. I have that. Uh, it was October 14th, 2016. We have that. Uh, you need um, uh, people, witnesses around. We have that. This happened at Eastwood Christian Church with Mike Baker. Um, and, you know, he hacked my Wi-Fi. And his IT team had his IT team has done that. And um, he handed it out to the ladies in the Bible study that I was leading. So, you know, we have people, place, thing, um who, what, where, when, and why, right? And why? Well, I had a play date with my friend who um, had a baby uh, or a toddler the age of mine. And she came over to my house and asked me um, what my nationality was. 
And I told her, and this is something I lied about my whole life, you know, because I never wanted anyone to know I was part Iranian, because the moment they find out you're half Iranian, uh, they think you're an automatic terrorist, and they start, you know, getting fearful, especially in the Christian field, and many of my friends were Christian at that point. So uh, finally, I was like, well, God has told me in Christ there's... Um, you know, no condemnation. He told me, you know, my identity is hidden in Christ now. I'm no longer, you know, this uh, Iranian. I'm no longer a terrorist. I'm no longer, um, you know, anything bad associated that with that. But this is for my glory. I redeemed you. Uh, I bring beauties from ashes. And this, this thing that you were running from your whole life is the very thing I want to use in you for my ministry and for my glory. And he's like, and um, I have a great... Uh, purpose and, and mission and ministry for you in this thing that you are denying your whole life and your identity now is in Christ it's not in, in your uh, Iranianism it's not in your Americanism it's not in, in you know any identity that man gave you you are an Iranian American Christian and uh, Christian is what defines your identity and though we can't lose our race and though we can't wash it down the drain and we can't you know uh, get rid of it even in eternity Right? Every tribe, nation, tongue will be there. It's something you carry to eternity with you. God's like, this is for my glory. And, you know, this is what I am using in you. And so with that, you know, I had to uh, embrace this and see God's glory and purposes in it. And so when my friend asked me, I told her finally. And she had taken it back to the church because her husband worked on staff in youth ministry. And he went back and told uh, the staff hey, you know the girl as the usher? I handed out communion. I took up the offering every week. You know, it's kind of a, had a prominent role in the church. Very much involved. Well, she's party Ronian. And the whole place blew up. And there was a big division. And one's like, we can't worship with an Iranian. Our church, they might be a secret Muslim. And so the whole place was very divided. And, you know, it's just very much ignorance. Iranians are not even um, very... Um, very uh islamic and not very you know um um devoted uh um muslims in that sense of uh you know if you're a real real diehard muslim and you followed the the quran to what it says you would be killing infidels and you would be you know living that out but, um, you know, Iran is not very much into that. And, you know, it's kind of like we just get propaganda and, and things and we don't really know um, what we're talking about. But nonetheless, you know, there are, there are some, some, you know, Muslims that are extremists and some you know, that are into that. And so, you know, I understand the ignorance of, of many people. But at the same time, if that's the goal of their religion, yes, I can see. But at the same time. Uh, you know, this church has per- persecuted me uh, so violently, so heinously, more than I have ever seen in the Western Evangelical Church in its history, and had hacked my Wi-Fi uh, because of this, and the preacher, on his own accord, went here, and, not even accord, on his own will, I don't want to misuse that word, and just hacked my Wi-Fi and went through all my stuff on my phone, all my files, all my private information, all my pictures, all my phone calls, all my texts, my conversations with my dad, and he started tweeting these, and he started telling people about them, and he started, uh, you know, uh, talking about it, and then, um, you know, um, blackmailing you in certain ways, and 
finally, um, you know, he hands us out to thousands and hundreds of people in the Christian community and tell people, come watch someone not like you. Come watch someone so far from God. Come watch someone that's, you know, uh, it's like a culture study. Come, come watch someone so different and handed my privacy out, capitalized on his crime. You know, I thought he was just hacking, but oh, she's a good Christian and leave. No, no. He capitalized on his crime, handed out to hundreds of thousands, had no remorse, no fear, no uh, sorrow over anything he's done, and literally thought it was his next uh, business move and his next political uh, alliance. And this, you know, then in 21, went to Trump uh, to help him uh, further his political agendas and help him cover his crimes. And so Trump gave him all kinds of government surveillance, government uh, tools, government tracking devices, body cams, motion sensors, um, heart sensors, bank um, fraud thing, all kinds of tools he put on me um, that are not, you know, per FISA court, honestly. We wouldn't have FISA court for this. Can you imagine? Taxpayer money paying for this for four years when you don't have a probable cause for a crime? That'd be horrific. So obviously this is not legal. Obviously it's not... Um, you know, even close to anything uh, a FISA court would, would cover. And there's no probable cause for a crime in my case. It has just horrendously violated and intruded upon our privacy for the sake of simpleness and the sake of blackmail and uh, mockery of us and harassment. And, you know, not only uh, me, but, you know, my husband's still not aware of this. He didn't believe me when I told him. And so he takes advantage of it being behind my husband's back. And has even taken advantage of my little kids. Um, I have one in high school this year, and he follows her to high school, hands out roots and ropes to all the high school kids. And so all these high school kids are watching my teenage daughter in her room, watching my teenage daughter shower, bathe, use the toilet, you name it. They know what your teenage daughter is thinking of because he hands out this uh, AI that can uh, tell um, what your thoughts are out loud. And has literally made a disgrace and a mockery and a humiliation show of my, my teenage daughter. And the school district is for it. And I contacted the school district. And they're getting kickbacks from the governor of Illinois for this. And they think it's funny to stalk uh, your children in the school to make them a target and a hate crime. A racial hate crime. And uh, to sit here and abuse them as the state gets uh, funded and kickbacks for it. And gives it back to the school in return uh, for the money they make off of uh, selling this. So these teachers, you know, need to be sued. They need to be kicked out. They need to be um, arrested. As you know, it's extremely criminal, extremely heinous. And yet this uh, town is guarded and protected and fortified as the officials all join in the, the wickedness and the sexual immorality. And don't do a darn thing about any allegations. Police reports went in, and they don't send them up any higher. They, they sit on them. And, you know, because some of these, they should have been indicted by the state by now for the the nature of them. They're very much felony charges. And uh, the, the local DAs, the county DAs, uh, just watch it. Enjoy it. Don't do anything about it. I think it's a fun uh, opportunity for our town to make money. Trump came to our town. Uh, they're starstruck. They think it's an opportunity for them to, uh, you know, get put on the map and, and get some accolade. And there's just, a, you know, a bunch of rebels that think it's cool that Trump came to their town and started to abuse people. 
So they harbor it, they enjoin it, they abet in it, and they're really just a bunch of uh, sexual uh, assaulting creeps that uh, have another man's wife and don't want her husband to know, and pretty much will kill them when they're done and leave them for dead, and uh, will molest them and assault them so bad, leave them her tools, and then kill her husband um, and her when they're done using them, and he'll never know. And that's essentially uh, their playbook and their plan and what they have been doing. And it's just a, a horrific time to be in the state. And it's a horrific time to be um, to be here. And this church is so wicked. The church is unionized now. It used to be, you know, scattered to different areas. The church has become unionized over this to target one person for this and to um, run this bigotry agenda of one man, the bigotry cause. Uh, Andy Stanley took on uh, this church's cause and started having all kinds of uh, sexual um, lust- lustfulness and affairs and harassment off of it. And so he made it his personal agenda to uh, continue this. And he's not even in this jurisdiction or over this. And we, we're not a Catholic church. We don't have hierarchy in our church. And we don't have um, high priests in our church. And we don't have works-based doctrine in our church. I post this on Twitter. Um, most of my tweets don't go out because Elon Musk has now invested in this. And so he makes sure he runs the narrative for the news and the media. And he makes sure that my tweets don't go out anywhere because he doesn't want the word, uh, the truth going out. And quite frankly, my, my tweets were getting very popular. And he was very jealous because he has to be number one on Twitter. And so he rigged, rigged the system and he actually su- suppressed my tweets. And if you wanted to read my tweets, you would have to subscribe to him to read them. That's how jealous this man is. So, um, you know, um, if you can get my tweets, uh, cheek underscore Layla is my Twitter handle. And, you know, I posted something the other day that was on John MacArthur's website about what they believe about the Catholic Church and how the Catholic Church is not very much Christian because they deny um, the hierarchy of scripture and deny uh, solo scriptura and the authority of the scripture and not uh, a preaching teeth a preaching a teaching priest <laughs> um and what the the preacher says but what scripture says and so you know we have Andy Stanley running around here with heresy and being a heretic and trying to tell us what his views are on on the gospel and his views are very uh non-gospel they're almost catholic he doesn't believe in in grace alone uh, faith alone, scripture alone. He's running Catholic uh, dogmas and, and doctrines that are not even have nothing to do with Jesus Christ, have nothing to new, do with the new covenant, and have nothing to do with Christianity. And he's literally um, running this heresy through the Baptist boards and through um, the church boards, trying to pretend that uh, if you are from a, a Islamic uh, background and you convert to Christianity, um, you had to have followed Jewish Mosaic law uh, in your youth. If not, he will go back and stalk you through Donald Trump. And if Donald Trump found anything that you did that violated Jewish ceremony law when you're 15, 16, 18, whatever, he will set you up and try to uh, not only excommunicate you from the church, we don't have excommunication, and then try to execute you at the state and kill you. And so we don't have excommunications at a church because we're not Catholic. If I do something at my church that that is sinful, 
and you find out we don't you know we don't go by everyone be like you can't take communion because you did this or that we don't have excommunication in our church we're not catholic i go to a church down the road and go to another church we're not in a cult. This isn't a, uh, uh, you know, a cult organization. This isn't a Catholic church where, you know, we go through everyone's uh, secret sins and then, you know, say, well, you can't take communion or if you've been divorced, divorced. Like, no, we don't. We don't. I never met my preacher. I never met any authority at that church. They're not, you know, in your everyday life. And so Joe Biden's a little confused over what kind of church this is. And he's from a Catholic background and thinks that our church is really a Catholic church. It's like, we're not a Catholic church. We don't have hierarchy. We don't have excommunication. You're from the 1920s, buddy, and you haven't gotten a church since 1920. You think churches are still ran like that? Like, there's no excommunication process in the church, and this isn't a cult that we go to. And if you do something in a church and you don't like, if someone don't like it, then you just move on to the next church or you do church online. And this guy is trying to act like I did something in my youth. Now I can see if you're in continual habitual sin. Let's say, like, um, let's say I'm I'm a uh, I'm 40 and I'm sleeping around with a bunch of men and I'm going to church every week and you know, or I'm, I'm a lesbian. I'm coming to church and I'm lesbian. Well, I can see you're in continual habitual sin in the practice of it. We might say, Hey, you can't come here because you know, and most churches don't look, they are pretty welcoming, but we can't, might get into your, your private business and be like, Hey, you're four years old and you're not married to this guy that you bring. And you guys have been sleeping around for a long time and playing and, you know, living together as roommates. And you're not married. Please get out of our church. You're excommunicated. Now I can see that would be grounds for excommunication. But we don't go back and be like, hey, uh, you're 40 and you're sleeping around with some dude that you're not married to. And guess what? When you're 16, you did the same. So now we're going to execute you at the state. And uh, when you were 16, we found out you had a boyfriend in high school and, and you had intercourse with him. And we're going to kill you now. And that's literally what this Annie Stanley is preaching to these dumb Baptists who are so confused and don't know right from wrong. They don't know their own doctrine. They don't know their own book. I mean, a Gentile has to come here and tell them what the Bible says because they're so old and senile and don't even know. And it's like, and, and on top of that, do you expect a Gentile, a Muslim, is what I use for Gentiles, do you expect a Muslim to follow Jewish ceremonial law, mosaic law, uh, in their youth when you Jews can't? Now, why would you... Hey, Celine, do you eat uh, bacon and, and pork chops? <gasps> you went against Jewish ceremonial law. Let's kill you. No, what does he do? He cherry picks what parts he wants to apply and what parts he wants to say is the new covenant. Are you the new covenant or the old buddy with your pork chop hanging out of your mouth? He doesn't know. He's confused. And then you ask the Baptist board, and they don't know any better. I don't know, I like my bacon, but uh, when I want to put promote worse on the old covenant, uh, I apply that to you, who doesn't, who, a Muslim who didn't even get the old covenant, right? <laughs> That's silly, silly there. Nonetheless, I didn't even do anything in my youth. I have no, um, you know, major sins uh, that this guy's trying to proclaim. He has sent me out with Donald Trump because Donald Trump had a harem when he was president and didn't want anyone to know that he had these surveillances on me and on my vaginal area and on my private parts and in places he shouldn't have had them um, as president. And so he has to sit here and set me up because he literally had a camera pointing on my crotch and was watching uh, my wetness of my vagina when he was president. 
And so this is a big no-no, and he doesn't want anyone to know that's what he was doing. He would rather be like, no, I'm on a witch hunt. Uh, we got, you know, we got pig problems and promote his witch hunt than sit there and tell anyone of his sexual fiascos that were going on here. So he has smeared me horrifically because he didn't want anyone to know what he was doing because of his own behavior and his own uh, moral failure. It's like, I'm not going to get executed for you. I'm not going to be accountable for your crimes. I'm not going to be accountable for your sexual adulteries. You and your priest can both pay for your own. Obviously, uh, you know, this isn't the first time you committed adultery. And obviously, you know, uh, that one didn't get very far. So I don't think you're going to sit here and make me, you know, get executed and persecuted and killed for what you have done. I think we kind of, I posted on my Twitter um, a post about uh, the difference between upholding, you know, scripture as a final authority and some of the heresy that's going on in the evangelical church right now today with uh, law, law, um, how we got to convert to Judaism first before we convert to Christianity and how um, converts should become Jewish first before they become Christians. And essentially, uh, North Point Church has been trying to push this rhetoric, and they're very much an evangelical church. And they've been trying to push, and they're not even over, you know, Eastview Church in my area, but they have been trying to push this uh, conversion of, you need to be converted to a Jew before you convert to a Christian, which is very much, you know, the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, and what they ruled that no, no, you don't need to become a Jew first to become a Christian. You can go straight to Christianity from from being a Gentile, and essentially, um, you know, that's what the problem was back in the early church. And they had a big uh, meeting over it, and they were like, no, no, the Holy Spirit uh, was given to Gentiles just uh, as it was to Jews, and we don't need to lay a burden on them that we couldn't keep. Why lay a burden uh, of the law on Gentiles if the Jews couldn't keep it, right? So you might ask, brothers, sisters, why then the law? Why do we have the law? Well, that's a very same question and a good question that was asked in Galatians. And um, Paul tells us, you know, I'll give you this example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, plural there, mean many people, but into your seed, mean one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise, but God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgression, until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promise of God? Absolutely not. For if the law had been given that could impart life, 
then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So Paul kind of answered that question, uh, answered that question, and he says, like, okay, well, um, the law was given by a mediator. And what he's saying here is that there was a there was an angel that was a mediator because this was a two-party contract, right? Think, think of like legal documents and, and contracts and contract law. This is a two-party contract between God and Israel. And the angel was a mediator between it. And so um, this was, uh, you know, a contract with Israel and God. And before that, 430 years before that, was the Abrahamic covenant, right? Abraham was before Moses. And the Abrahamic covenant and this contract between, you know, God and Abraham uh, was a one-sided contract. It was between God and Abraham and this seed, Jesus Christ, was going to come from him. So it was a one-sided contract. That meant if, if Abraham failed and, you know, if any of his descendants failed, it's okay. God would uphold his promise. It was a, a one-sided contract, and it was by faith. So it, it was by faith alone. And he's saying, well, this covenant was established, and now the law came 430 years later. It's not going um, to outdo the covenant that was already established. It's not going to uh, undermine that. And so he's saying, this covenant now between Israel and God was a two-sided covenant. And it had an angel as a mediator because it was like, Israel, uh, if you fail, you broke the covenant. And if God failed, he broke the covenant. So uh, if you fail this covenant, Israel, and, and, and you did, right? And we we talked about that in my studies before. Um, and then, you know, you didn't uphold your end of, of the contract. So um, he's saying then, um, well, why was the law given then? And the law was given then to show us uh, sin, to uh, really define what sin is, so we had a good idea of what is sin and what is not, and so we knew, you know, there wouldn't be any gray area, well, well, is that sinful? I don't know. Well, it's not sinful for me, but it's sinful for you. Well, you know, my truth is different than your truth. Well, you know, I, I can do that because because I, I feel like that's okay for me. So no, the law was given to show us what sin is and to tell us what sin is. And, um, you know, show us that we are sinful and that we can't uh, uphold this law. We can't uphold this contract. And we, we know what sin is now and we know we felt this contract. And so uh, is the law therefore opposed to the promise of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But instead, uh, scripture locked up everything under the control of sin. So we were, we were bound, bound under this by so that what was promised, remember Abraham, we had this promise, uh, I'll make your, your offspring as numerous as stars of the sky, Abraham. And from you, the seed would come, not, not seeds plural, not, not all your offspring uh, by, by bloodline, not, not your heres, your, um, your heredity by bloodline, Abraham, but uh, from, uh, from your heritage, one seed would come, not, not seeds, 
And that one seed would be Jesus Christ, and he would justify everyone by faith. And so he's not saying uh, necessarily that, you know, Abraham had two kids, right? He had uh, Ishmael and he had Isaac. And so um, it's not necessarily all, all your kids, right? It was, you know, from the one by the promise, the seed would come. And that seed, you know, we know is Jesus Christ. So um, the scripture locked everything up under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. And so, yes, the law did have a purpose and it was given. It was for a good cause. And ultimately, um, it showed us what sin is and really defined what sin is. But we got to remember, this was a covenant between uh, God and Israel. And it was a one, one-sided one covenant. And it was a one-sided covenant with the angel being a mediator. And that is, you know, quite different than the Abrahamic covenant, which came before that. And that was God's promise. That was uh, by faith. And at the very beginning, it says, you know, uh, brothers, sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken by Abraham and to his seed. And, you know, um, God was kind of showing me to, uh, at the inaugural address, Joe Biden gave a, a inaugural oath, right? He swore an oath for a nation um, taking on his presidency at inauguration. And he had a poet there, Amanda Gorman. And Amanda Gorman uh, kind of gave weight to um, my letter to my mayor and used my letter that I wrote to my mayor um, in her speech and, and made it like into poem. That's where this Hamlet Island comes from for my series because uh, Hamlet as a, the playwright, you know, and or the, the play and, and To Thy Own Self Be True. Um, it was kind of play, a play on, on words I take, I've taken there. And so this Amanda Gorman was a poet. First time I had a poet at inauguration. And she read the letter of my mayor, uh, the words of my that I wrote to my mayor that I penned um, asking for unity and, and um, unity of all um, people in um, dynamic and, and changing culture. And so, um, you know, she uh, expounded on that and essentially took my words and used it in narration. And so um, that's where the hamlet comes into play and then the island, you know, like Epstein Island, Mar-a-Lago, um, that piece of, of Trump um, from previous uh, administration. And so, you know, um, this uh, oath he swore uh, it is something that we can't undo. We can't conceal that. We can't classify that. We can't pretend it didn't happen. We can't um, undermine that. He can swear an oath afterwards, but you know that one um, is binding, right? And it still stands. And he can't, he can't add to it, and he can't take away and, and set aside, right? Because it's established. And so, um, just like that, this promise to Abraham uh, was um, binding and, and stood and upset. Uh, so uh, Jeremiah buys a field this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah king of Judah which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar the army of the king of Babylon was there besieging Jerusalem and Jeremiah the prophet was confined to the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah now Zedekiah, king of Judah, 
had imprisoned him there, saying, Why do you prophesy as you do? You say that this was the Lord is what the Lord says. I'm about to give this city into the hands of King of Babylon, and he'll capture it. Zedekiah, King of Judah, will not escape the Babylonians, but will certainly be given into their hands of the king of Babylon, and will speak with him face to face and see him with his own eyes. He will take Zedekiah to Babylon, where he'll remain until I deal with him, declares the Lord. If you fight against the Babylonians, you will not succeed. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to him, came to me. Hamel, son of Shalom, your uncle is going to come to you and say, Buy my field at Anatoth, because of the nearest relative, you, as the nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Then, just as the Lord has said, my cousin Hamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, Buy my field at Anatoth of the territory, O Benjamin, since it is your right to redeem it and possess it. Buy it for yourself. I knew that it was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field at Anatoth for my cousin, Hanamel, weighed out for him the 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed, and weighed out the silver in the scales I look, I took the deed of purchase the sealed copy containing the terms of the conditions as well as the unsealed copy and I gave the deed to Barak son Uriah the son of Messiah Messiah in the presence of my cousin Hamamel and the witnesses who had signed the deed and all the Jews sitting at the courtyard of the guard in their presence, I gave Baruch the instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty God of Israel says. Take these documents, both the sealed and the unsealed ones, um, of the deed of purchase, and put them in a the clay jar so that they'll last for a long time. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The God of Israel, houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land and uh, after I had given the deed to the deed of purchase to Baruch Sendariah I prayed to the Lord so we can see um, facts of what happened there and proof of uh, these events of that land so this land purchase and you know what he knew it was the Lord and he didn't argue that so, um, my brothers, sisters, sisters is also involved here. Some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? 
I thank God I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So, um, you know, so there's some kind of division, and people are picking different leaders that they're following, different, um, you know, fans that they're allying with and, and uh, following here. And essentially, Paul's like, uh, hey, they weren't crucified for you. They didn't, you know, die for you. Christ is not divided. And, um, you know, you shouldn't be picking sides. And you shouldn't be divided. And he's like, I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you. And except for, you know, Christmas and guys. And you know what? I came without... Um, you know, eloquent words and, um, you know, speech that was, um, maybe, um, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross be emptied of its power. So not with, you know, eloquence and, uh, wisdom, because he wasn't trying to, like, sell them something in a, in a cheating way or, you know, like, uh, you know, buff up the message, decorate it, and embellish it. He's like, I just came to you with with the plain message of Christ crucified, right? I didn't embellish it. I didn't, you know, come with eloquence. I didn't come with wisdom. I just came, you know, with this message of Christ crucified. And that's what it was.